0: or on a team. Coaching is a universal part of how we get others to get something done. Join your host, Rafael, and his guests on this unique journey in coaching.
1: Hi, I'm Sifu Rafael, and this is the Coaching Call podcast. Today's guest is Maya Lee. Maya uses the wisdom of yoga and mindful meditation to help highly committed entrepreneurs, executives, and professionals to experience more fulfilling and peaceful lives. Maya, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. How are you? Excellent. So Maya, tell us a little bit about what you do.
0: So I am a certified yoga instructor and meditation coach. So I do both physical yoga classes and I also teach people about coach people in the mental aspect of yoga, which involves meditation, breath work and self-inquiry which is a form of mindfulness meditation
1: very cool how did you get started
0: so i got started in meditation when i first read the book the power of now by Eckhart Tolle. i read that book uh when i was 19 years old and i practiced what he taught in the book and that was what introduced me to mindfulness meditation So a few years after that, I did a certification course in yoga instruction and meditation teaching. And after I completed my certification, I started coaching others in meditation and yoga.
1: What interested you in yoga?
0: So what first interested me was I was suffering from depression and I wanted a way to find happiness, Naturally, like without taking antidepressants or without medication, I wanted to change my lifestyle and experience happiness and joy from within. And that was what first got me into yoga because I was interested in the mental health aspects of it.
1: Well, how old were you when you started yoga?
0: I first started yoga when I was 17 years old, and then I started coaching when I was around 19 or 20.
1: So, who influenced you?
0: I'd say one of my biggest influences would be Eckhart Tolle, uh, who is an author and a spiritual teacher who wrote the book The Power of Now. And he really, uh, his book really changed my perspective on what meditation could be. Because as opposed to the traditional method of meditation where one sits down on a mat and they close their eyes and they sit in a lotus position for 30 minutes and then they meditate, His form of meditation is mindfulness-based, so it's something that you do on a consistent basis throughout the entire day as opposed to just setting aside a specific time to do it. So you keep this constant focus on your breath or another point of focus like your body.
1: So you can do this type of meditation all day long from the minute you wake up to the time you go to sleep.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: What is your biggest challenge when you're trying to... Teach that to someone.
0: I suppose one, one of the biggest challenges is that you cannot necessarily understand this concept from an intellectual perspective because I'm as I'm essentially asking my clients to remove themselves from the shackles of mental mental time, which is the constant obsession with what's going to happen in the future or what happened in the past, and it's the constant uh, state of being where you're not in the present moment. So I have to find unique ways to teach this to people because their mind is going to come in and say, oh, but this doesn't make any sense. I mean, if I don't worry about the future, then I'll be irresponsible. Or if I don't worry about the past, then bad things will happen again like they did in the past. So one of the biggest obstacles is getting the client to overcome the the need to intellectually understand the concept of mindfulness and instead to just do it.
1: Definitely. And they have to be willing to go forth.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: And do what you're asking of you, (laughs) what you're asking of them, correct? Yes.
0: Yes, of course. But it helps when they've paid, I mean, they're paying for the, this knowledge. So money is a big motivator (laughs) for, get.
1: absolutely for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Have you, coached anyone who has decided that wow what you're doing for me I also want to help other people have you coached anyone who also wants to be a coach
0: yes i did have one of one of my favorite clients he works in IT um right here, that is 9 to 5 he also runs out properties he owns some properties too and he's a landlord but he was uh we were hanging out in person he actually came to my state for us to do a a yoga class in person and then we went out for lunch afterwards and he was telling me that he was considering getting into the coaching business himself because he had gotten such great results he had worked with about two other coaches and me so three coaches overall and he said that he was interested in maybe exploring the coaching himself
1: that's awesome now do you currently have coaches or mentors that you go to for advice for coaching
0: So I see a therapist, I see a therapist uh, once a week, and she helps me quite a bit, so it's nice to have uh, someone who you can get feedback on of your thoughts, so, or your thoughts. So yeah, I see a therapist, but I, I, and I also take, uh, before the coronavirus situation, I used to go to um, yoga classes, so I would attend yoga classes, and I would be taught by another yoga teacher as opposed to me being the one teaching the class. So yeah, that's that's my experience with uh, working with anyone in that capacity.
1: Have you done any virtual training, currently training or coaching?
0: Yeah, I have. Actually, my yoga certification was an online course. Well, my second certification was online. The first one was in person. But the second one that I did throughout throughout the quarantine lockdown period. It was online. And the governing body of yoga courses, it's a a company called Yoga Alliance. They authorized this course, which they don't usually authorize online courses, but because of the coronavirus situation, this course was authorized then, which was really great because it gave me something to do while I wasn't able to go outside to do classes because of the coronavirus situation.
1: So what does it mean for you to be a coach?
0: Uh, being a coach for me is basically being some being the person who facilitates change and transformation within another person. So I feel like a facilitator of it. I don't feel like I'm the catalyst or the cause of it. I feel as though I'm just helping someone learn and understand something they already knew to be done within themselves. So I'm not teaching something new to someone, but I'm just helping them get out of their own way.
1: That that's the the most important part. People do get in their own ways; they don't have the confidence in themselves. So that's that's really good work that you're doing. Yeah. What would you say?
0: Thank you, thank
1: you, and I agree. Sure. What would you say is your biggest fear in what you're doing, or what is happening in in, in the world today?
0: I guess my biggest fear. You know, things are going really well right now with business and there's always that fear of like when the downturn is going to come around because, you know, uh, these things happen like life has this ups and downs. So I'm experiencing like uh, I've been working with a lot of clients for the past few months and things have been going really well. But I guess one of my biggest fears is that I will either go through a dry period where I don't have as many clients. Or I will perhaps experience boredom in what I do because um, I tend to like to do new things, even though I've been doing this for four years. So one of my fears is that maybe there will come a point in time where this isn't as emotionally satisfying work as it used to be. But for now, it's what I enjoy doing. So I love it.
1: So as as a coach, are you currently looking to grow? For example, you've been doing it for four years. I talk to people who sometimes are doing it for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. And they have grown from where they started and they they evolved into what they actually became. Is that something that you're looking to do to see other avenues where you can actually coach people in different arenas?
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I really do enjoy growing as a coach because, I mean, doing the same thing over and over again can get repetitive, and I'm not a fan of monotony or having any monotony in my life. So, I definitely am expanding in my coaching practices, and that involves me learning, furthering my education with more certifi- certifications, and Doing different courses and also incorporating different methodologies into my coaching practice. Like, I've recently started involving some young Carl Jungian psychology based off of Carl Jung into my coaching practices, and it's been yielding some really interesting results. And yeah, I'm definitely not opposed to growing. I think growth is very important for each individual.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I, I've been training my whole life, and I feel like every day is a new learning experience for me. Absolutely. And so I'm open open to learning, not only in my field, but anything else that not only piques my interest, but that'll make me grow as a person.
0: Yeah, exactly. Growing as a person is so important.
1: Yeah. What would you say is one of the biggest challenges you you faced as a coach? Uh,
0: I guess one of the biggest challenges that i face faced has been being my own boss and making sure that I do the things that I don't really like doing, but that need to be done. So that's dealing with the paperwork, the bureaucratic side of things. So being your own boss has a lot of benefits, but there are also some drawbacks, like, you know, you're not gonna have someone who's going to do all of the mundane Things that need to be done to keep a business running, like you have to do them yourself, unless you're going to outsource, which I have outsourced for different things. Even something as simple as getting my hair done at the hairdresser instead of doing it myself because my time is very important. I need that time to grow my business. So one of I suppose one of the biggest challenges would be just being self-disciplined enough to do everything that I need to.
1: Out outsourcing is is huge. When it comes to growth, like you said, you can't do everything yourself. So, outsourcing is really fundamental for growth. Absolutely. Can Can you tell us? I mean, you've dealt with so many different people in so many um, situations, not only as a meditation coach, but as a as a yoga instructor or coach, because a yoga can be an instructor or a coach, because not only are you teaching them how to get to a position, but you're also taking them mentally. Through that position. Yes, absolutely. Any funny stories you can share? Because, you know, there are so many funny things that happen in life. And every day, I personally consider that you should enjoy. Um, Any funny stories you can share?
0: Right. So I was doing this uh, remote session with a client. This is a client out in Florida. I'm on the East Coast in New York. So I couldn't logistically see him in person. So I was working remotely with him. Uh, doing video calls for our sessions. And at one point his son walked in while he was doing a video call with me and he asked if I was his girlfriend. And my client said, no, no, she's not my girlfriend. She's just my friend who helps me. And then he, his son seemed a little disappointed and he was saying how his daddy has the nicest girlfriends and why am I not his girlfriend?
1: <laughs> See that? That son was trying to help his dad <laughs> set you up. <laughs> That's that's kind of funny. <laughs>
0: he was a sweet kid.
1: So how long have you lived in New York?
0: I've lived in New York for three years now. Before that, I lived in Florida.
1: What made you come to New York? I've
0: been staying in New York for about three years, and I really just fell in love with the city, especially the nightlife. I love the nightlife. I love the diversity and how you can just be anything you want to be here, and you can meet so many interesting kinds of people.
1: Absolutely. Being a coach, what does that mean to you?
0: Well, being a coach to me is being someone's mentor. It's helping them reach from point A to point B and helping them get out of their own way because so many people, they just get in their own way with their self doubt, their limiting beliefs, their Uh, sometimes they might have a negative outlook where they're pessimistic and they don't see the glass half full so they focus on what they don't have or what things that have gone wrong so it's really just helping people get out of their own way because naturally
1: in our natural
0: state when we're in the flow and in the present moment we're happy we're not worried about things we're just going with life as life comes and it's in this state of mind that we can enact some great change. So, yeah, uh, helping people get out of their own way is one of the main things that coaching is to me.
1: Awesome. Let's talk about yoga for a bit. Were you flexible before you got started with yoga? Uh,
0: Yes, I did have hyper flexibility and uh, I, I had it since I was a child and I maintained it until adulthood, but um, I've definitely worked with people who weren't naturally flexible for, with yoga and they their flexibility grew over time because they were consistent with the yoga practice. But yeah, I was flexible before I started.
1: What, what advice would you give someone who is not flexible?
0: Uh, basically, just to practice every day. Don't push yourself. Like. Just there's this phrase, phrase is you have to accept yourself at where you are when you're on the mat. You can't force it because if you force it you might end up pulling a muscle or tearing a ligament or something else. So you have to just allow yourself to grow at the pace that you're meant to grow at. But everyday consistency is really important. And if you maintain that, you'll find your flexibility will increase over time.
1: Totally agree with you on that. What type of yoga do you teach?
0: I teach vinyasa flow.
1: And how, how long are your sessions? for? Uh,
0: my sessions are usually an hour long. The shortest would be 45 minutes. Sometimes it goes into 75 minutes. So that would be an hour and 15 minutes. But generally, they're an hour long.
1: Maya, let's assume I've never done yoga. I used to teach power yoga, so yes, I do know yoga and love yoga. But let's assume I don't know anything about yoga. What should I expect if I decided to try your class? Can you take me through a rundown of what I would expect in that first class?
0: Okay, so uh, for a first class, I would would go over any, since I teach private classes, it's easy for me to talk one-on-one with my clients. So I would inquire as to if you have any previous injuries or anything or any body, body functions that might, uh, deter you from practicing certain positions fully. So I would address that. And then in my first class, I usually go start with the basics. So that's simple poses like cat to cow, downward facing dog, uh, cobra upward facing dog, things like that. So I would go over some basic asanas and definitely ensure that my client is doing each asana, each basic asana, because the basics are the foundation for upon which that we grow. So I would ensure that they are performing the asana to the best of their ability and that they're not experiencing any pain or any discomfort. So that's generally what a first class would be. It's really just getting to the basics of yoga and growing from there.
1: So for a novice, yoga is basically a bunch of poses. Am I right?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. And the transition between the poses. Right. What kind of poses would I expect in my first class?
0: So you would expect the cat to cow, which is like, it's basically when you're on your hands and knees. In in basically like how a cat would be. So you're in you're on your hands and knees, and your spine is straight in the tabletop position, and then you extend the spine into the cow position, and you use your breath to guide you. So uh I would also do a downward facing dog, which is another simple simple asana. Sorry, simple asana is how they call the positions in yoga. So. I would teach that, downward-facing dog, cobra, maybe something like child's pose, which is a, a very nice resting pose, um, corpse pose, which is basically when you just lie on your back at the end of a yoga session, which is one of the most relaxing positions to do, especially after an intense session. So the first class would be mainly the basics, and I would also introduce some Challenging positions later on when I work with someone, maybe after about the second month or the third month is when I would get into more complex poses, like the pigeon pose, for example, or the mermaid pose. But um, for the first class, it's a lot of basic poses, a lot of stretching, a lot of twists for the spine, because I love twists. All of my classes involve twists. I think that they're a great way to relieve tension and they're so good for the spine. So yeah, that's the
1: overview. The most critical part for you so that you can help your client is to find out what ailments they may have Yeah, and what limitations they've put on. A lot of people may not have limitations, but they've put it on themselves.
0: Right, of course.
1: This way you can actually help help them to their best ability or your best ability to help them.
0: Right, yeah, absolutely.
1: How long should someone train if they're training on their own? Let's say I came to two or three sessions a week with you. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give me to do on my own?
0: So I would suggest if it's possible for you to do at least some yoga every day, even if you can't put in like an entire hour at least try to get like a 10 minutes in a 5 minutes because even that can be so transformative and so beneficial. I would suggest to my clients that they practice every day even if they don't have enough time for a full 1 hour intensive session to at least get like a 5 minutes
1: in. I totally agree with the 5 minute thing because everybody always makes excuses. Yeah, that's very true. Training you do to your body, it's almost like you you're putting in your own medicine, your own natural medicine into your system.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree 100%.
1: What would you like to see happen in the yoga world?
0: Um, I would love to see yoga being incorporated into more schools for children. Uh, I think that yoga is an excellent practice that kids could get a lot of benefit from. I would love to see yoga being incorporated even to not just Private school institutions, which I went to a private school growing up, but even schools that are in less privileged environments, mm-hmm. like in the inner cities, I would think that a lot of those children would benefit quite a bit from yoga because it teaches you how to be calm, how to be, how to have control over your emotions. It's also very beneficial for the body and preventing ailments and diseases later on in life. As you said, it's a naturally healing modality. So I think that this is something that should definitely be more practiced in the West and more deeply understood and also something that should be taught to children. And also, too, even inmates in the prison system, I think, could benefit from yoga. Everyone can benefit from
1: yoga. Without a doubt. Definitely in the public school system, it it would be a really good thing. Yeah, for sure. In dealing with people, how do you handle tough clients? Well,
0: I've had one client who was kind of all over the place, like sometimes he would be, he would have to reschedule his sessions for maybe another day, or uh, he would want to do a session earlier than the allotted time, and sometimes I would be very lenient with him because I understood that he was going through a tumultuous period in his life, he was going through a divorce, and he was very sad about the divorce. I've actually worked with plenty of divorces or people who were in the process of getting divorced. Um, I don't know why they, I seem to attract those clients.
1: Divorce is very traumatic for some people. People who, who have invested so much time, effort, and energy into a relationship. So divorce is very tough for a lot of people.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's very true. That is very, very true. Divorce can be incredibly stressful. I've personally never experienced a divorce that I've worked with people who have, and I see the effect it has on them. Because in some ways, it's like you're grieving at death. You're grieving the death of the fantasy, of the possibility that you had in your mind that this would last until death you part. So it's a grief. they're grieving. And uh, yoga is something that has been really helpful to people who are going through a such a tumultuous time period in their lives.
1: Because it's it's giving back to themselves right it's it's now focusing on yourself because when you're in yoga practice you cannot be thinking once you get deeper into it you can't be thinking about uh, what happened yesterday what i had for lunch or you know my relationship yeah. because now when you're in a position and you have to transfer out of it or uh, hold it and then you feel your body you have to really be focused in order to be in touch with what's going on so yoga is incredible. It is totally incredible where it takes your it's not only your your body but it's your mind as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And that's why yoga practice is, is essential.
0: Yes, I agree. I agree. It's uh it pulls you into the present moment. Like many other physical activities like skiing or swimming or skateboarding. Uh physical activities in general tend to get your adrenaline pumping and it really gets you to focus on what's going happening in the present moment because you have to. You're in that survival survival state of mind.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah, I'm a big fan of physical of physical exercise and the benefits that it has for the body.
1: What what else do you do besides yoga for yourself?
0: So I do calisthenics at home. I do some push-ups, I work with some small weights, I do some sit ups squats, etc. So I I was planning on joining a gym when they reopen again, because in New York City, I think the gyms are still closed. So, but yeah, I just do some small weights at home and some easy, mm-hmm. a basic routine, basically. But squats, I try to incorporate every day as the, the same as push-ups.
1: Excellent. Good for you. Thank you. Have you ever studied Tai Chi or Tai Chi? thought of doing Tai Chi? Because it's also very med- meditative.
0: I've been to one Tai Chi class. Okay. Yeah, I've been to one Tai Chi class. I really loved it. I thought it was very beautiful. And it was a very relaxing practice, but I'm not too well versed on it. I, I did practice karate for a year and I made my way up to the first spells. But after that, I moved to the new state. So I haven't picked it back up again.
1: Being that you're in New York, Chinatown is is well known for Tons of great masters. And I, I. anytime I drive, I see them doing Tai Chi in some of the parks over there. Have you ever considered doing that?
0: Yeah, I would love to. The, the thought had never occurred to me until you mentioned it. But after thinking about it, I, yeah, I have seen people doing Tai Chi in Chinatown. I would give it a try for sure. I
1: think that would be a compliment to what you already do. I mean, I teach Tai Chi. I teach Tai Chi. So that's why I'm saying it. And I've done yoga.
0: Oh, you do? Really?
1: I do. Yes. And I, I teach yang style. And, and, and yoga is, they both are so, I, I should say, you're so focused when you're doing either one. And the position and the balance that you get from both is incredible.
0: Yeah, that's definitely true, especially for inverted positions like headstand, head shoulder shoulderstands. They really pull you into the present moment. That's one thing I love about them quite a bit.
1: What What advice would you give someone who said, I want to be a, a either a yoga coach?
0: I would say that one of the most important things to remember is that you have to practice what you preach. So... When you're going through your own difficulties in life and your own hard moments, remember that, remember your breath, remember the importance of remaining present and in the present moment and practicing mindfulness. Because the more that you practice it yourself and the more confident you become in your own practice is the more you're going to be able to influence other people because your confidence will be like this shining light that even other people will recognize and believe themselves because when you believe in yourself and other people believe in you and you can get your clients to believe in their selves through believing in you and believing in the way that you teach them and coach them and help them.
1: Really good advice. What would you say is one of your biggest challenges?
0: So I would say that I definitely suffer from some seasonal affective disorder so I experienced some depression during the winter during the colder months and because of the lockdown, I wasn't able to go out as much as I would like to because I used to go out all the time. That was one thing I loved about being in New York City was the ability to just take the train and head out to Manhattan. I live in Brooklyn. So I would head out to Manhattan, and I'd go out shopping or go out for some Korean food in Koreatown. You know, That's one of my favorite things to do is get Korean food in Koreatown. And I just wasn't able to do that much. So one of my biggest challenges is really adjusting to the new normal or the transitional period that we're in with the coronavirus lockdown and just kind of getting used to staying at home and it's a good opportunity for me to deepen my meditational practice because I have to make peace with myself and make peace with being where I am. So I just see, I'm just focusing on the beneficial aspect of it Mm -hmm. as opposed to the, the drawback.
1: Of course. So you you said something really interesting. You said that during the winter months, you get a little depressed. So can I suggest you move to a warm state?
0: Oh, yeah. No, I actually grew up in a very warm place. I was in Florida.
1: I know. You grew up in Florida. (laughs) So were you less depressed in Florida?
0: I mean, I guess it was. I didn't have the seasonal affective depression. I had some mild depression before, but... Uh, This was before I got deep into my yoga practice because my yoga practice really helped my mental health immensely. I think the only other place I would want to live in other than New York City would maybe be Los Angeles, and Los Angeles is quite warm. But for now, um, I think I might invest in some. There are these special light, light bulbs that you can use that mimic sunlight, so I've heard that they help quite a bit. So I think I'll look into getting some of those off Amazon or
1: something. That would be a good investment on your part. Right. So let me ask you, what have you always wanted to do but you have not done?
0: I've always wanted to go to California. I've never been to California. It's beautiful. I've only seen, seen it in movies and pictures. And I have a couple friends who lived out there, but I've never been. And I, it's a place that I think that I would love quite a bit because I'm vegan. Um, I'm into yoga, and in L.A. specifically, they're big on the spirituality movement, uh, the Eastern philosophies, the and health and wellness. So I think I would vibe really well there and mesh really well with the people there. So that's something I've always wanted to do, but that I haven't done yet.
1: I think that's in your future, Maya. Yeah,
0: I hope so. I, hope so. I would love that.
1: Yeah, well, you can make it happen. Remember, you are the driver yeah, of your own destiny. I love
0: that. Thank you.
1: Absolutely. I, I really want to thank you for today. Great talking with you. Thank you for oh, thank um, you too. sharing your knowledge and your information. You know, you've grown just because you decided to do something about it. A lot of people are afraid. They're afraid to move forward, afraid to take the next step. What would you say to them?
0: I would say let fear be your greatest motivator. If there's something that you're afraid of doing, let that push you into doing it even more. Because once you step into your own fears and you walk the walk of faith, you will find that there's so much more opportunity and so much more growth and so much more expansion on the side of fear than there is on the side of staying away from it. And avoiding doing new things because they're
1: scary. As you said, I agree with you. You know, fear is, is so such a powerful thing. And if people realize that it doesn't have to be, that you're stronger than fear, that you can conquer your fear, you just have to have, I guess, guts to do so. I agree. Tell me, how can if somebody wanted to reach out to you? Because you you know, obviously you can be anywhere. You have clients not only in New York, but you have clients in Florida, you have clients in different places. How can somebody reach
0: Yeah in Europe
1: too? In Europe also, nice. Yeah, yeah. How can somebody some how can somebody reach you?
0: They can reach out to me via direct message on LinkedIn or they can email me at Eden, so that's E-D-E-E-N, Mia, M-I-A, coaching at gmail.com. Or they can direct message me on my LinkedIn at Mia Lee. And those are two of the practice ways to get to me.
1: Yeah, thank you for being on the coaching call.
0: Thank you so much for the opportunity.
1: And I look forward to keeping in touch and finding out what you're doing. And let me know when you move to California.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Rafael. It was wonderful talking
1: to you. My pleasure. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to the Coaching Call podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I'll be back next week with a new episode and a new guest. You can find all episodes of the Coaching Call podcast for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts.